morning, guys. How are we doing? Uh, it is cold. It's not supposed to be cold. I, I didn't move to the south for cold. I moved because I didn't want it to be cold. So I'm praying for warmth to return. Uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be a cold week, I, I, I think. Uh, if, if you were here and you were here with us last week, Matt Reynolds uh, was supposed to be with us today. Uh, Matt is the general director of the Grace family, a good friend of mine and a good friend of ours, and he was coming to preach today. He got sick this week uh, and called me yesterday and said, I'm running a fever. Uh, I, I don't think I should do a message on rest uh, when I'm running a fever, uh, which I thought was wise. Uh, so Matt's going to be here next week to talk about rest, uh, and I decided yesterday that I was going to do a sermon on relationships today. Uh, so uh, there are times when I have a whole week to prepare, and there's times when I have a few hours on a Saturday to prepare. So I am praying for the Lord's grace today. Uh, here's the challenge when I don't prepare. When I don't prepare, I just talk. So you, might, you may be here a while, right? Just strap yourselves in, cancel your lunch plans, because I didn't prepare, so I'm just going. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. We're in a series called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and, and we're talking about, we've, we've been kind of walking through the Sermon on the Mount for the last kind of four or five months, well, four months, yeah, and, and, and we're kind of stepping out of that to say, all right, we've talked about it, we've been educated in this, now we want to be formed in this. So, so our, our, our posture is, not, is never that we just want to be informed by the Word of God. It's that we want to be formed by it. It, it. It's never that we want to just know the right answers. It's that we want to practice our faith and live it out in our daily lives. It's that we want to actively practice our faith, to be formed by this stuff. And, and, and so we can actually transform our community and the community around us. Uh, Dallas Willard, in his book, The Spirit of Discipline, says this. He said, it's part of the misguided and whimsical condition of humankind that we so devoutly believe in the power of effort at the moment of action alone to accomplish what we want. And we completely ignore the need for character change in our lives as a whole. The general human failing, listen to this, is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will actually produce that action. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would actually make that a reality. I feel like that's so true for the church. I feel like I could stop there, right? We, we have all these good intentions of the people that we wanna become, but we don't create practices in our life so that we can actually become those kinds of people. We intend what is right, but we actually avoid the life that will make it a reality. And sometimes it's because we're so overwhelmed with so much information and so much data and so much content that's coming at us from all different ways that we don't know how to focus. And so for this season, for our church, we wanted to focus in and say, all right, let's zero in. Let's talk about creating a rule of life for us that helps us actually to practice the things that we talk about. If, if we want to be a community that is known for our love, let's practice loving our community. If we want to be a community that is known for, 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 for speaking out of a deep well and having a deep resource and a deep uh, place to reach into to hear from God and to discern what he's saying and to listen to the whisper and to proclaim his good news to the community, then let's practice getting in the presence of God so that we can hear from them. 
If we want to be a community that is united in love and that is urging each other on and encouraging each other and walking beside each other in our faith, then let's create practices that build relational presence. If we want to be a community that is known for discipling the next generation and raising up the generation that has come before us, then let's create practices for that. If we want to be a community that's on mission and that is reaching out, not just to Cobb County, but around the world, that's reaching out all over the place, then let's create practices that actually get us there. In 2013, Eugene Peterson in an interview was asked um, to tell someone what pastoring people was like. And he said this, he said, as a pastor, you have to be willing to take people as they are. You have to be willing to live with them where they are and not impose your will on them because God has different ways of being with people and you don't always know where they are. He said, leading and shepherding people is a very ordinary way to live. It's just meeting each other where we are and encouraging each other to go where God wants us to go. And we can't force this. This is one of the things I realized. I've been a church consultant for many, many years, and the number one question that I get asked from pastors is this question. How do I get my people to dot, dot, dot? Right? How do I get my people to give more? Because we're running out of money. How do I get my people to show up on Sunday because our attendance is going down? How do I get our youth group to grow? How do we get our people to worship? How do we get our people to study the Bible? How do we get our people to, and, and there's this vision when we ask that question that the pastor is like grabbing all the people behind them and like pulling them along, trying to persuade them and trying to get them to do something. There's this like, my force of will is gonna come up against your force of will and hopefully we're gonna force each other to do something. And I wonder if there's a better way. We start off this series with this passage in Matthew that says the unforced rhythms of grace. That's where we want to be. In the unforced rhythms of grace, where the goal is not to press against something that is unmoving, but to join Jesus in the current of what is already happening. Where our vision is to walk beside him in what he's already doing. I, I lived in South Carolina on the ocean for about a year. It was a great year. It was hot there. Um, I, I, I lived there, and, and one of the things we did was we lived right on a channel. And so there's this little channel that came off the ocean and this river that was right beside our house. I mean, it was a block away. And so what we did immediately when we moved there is I bought a kayak because I thought I, I like being out on the water. It, it's fun for me. It's just good exercise to actually get in the kayak. It's great. And the boys at that time were young. They were, I don't know, elementary school, and I thought I'll take them out on the kayak and and let them jump in the water, and we'll just kind of have some fun. I couldn't afford a real boat, so I was going to go with the one, the little one. I could afford that one. And so we bought a kayak, and, and the first time I went out, I, I hopped in, and I started going, and I didn't really know how to navigate the current or the, the river that we were in, and, and I just realized, man, I'm doing great. I'm killing this. I was going so far so fast. And I was, I mean, I was just flying down this channel. I was doing so good. And I just, I was like, this is beautiful, Lord. This is easy. You've given me stamina, right? You've given me the ability to do all this. And I got a couple miles down the road, and then I turned around, and it was not easy, right? You guys are getting me. The current was flowing a specific way. And when I was flowing with the current, everything was easy. I wasn't pressing up against anything. I could have probably not even done the rowing, and I would have moved down the channel. And so the journey down that way was super easy, but then the journey back home was impossible. I was dying. 
I was, it was a billion degrees, right? I'm covered in sweat. I, I'm like, I'm, my arms are given out. I, I had this thought in my mind, like maybe I just pull over and call Sarah and have her pick me up, but my pride wouldn't let me do that. So I, then I was like, I'm gonna have a heart attack at some point. And so I'm just going, the, the reality for us is sometimes it feels like our spiritual journey is we're just in the current. There's an unforced rhythm to it. I'm with God and he's with me and I'm doing the thing that I was called to do. I'm living awake to what he's invited me into and it feels like everything's moving and operating as it should be. And then there's other times where it feels like everything is a battle and we're pressing against the current and we're fighting against everything. The goal for us is to ask Jesus where he's at work. It's to learn to operate in the current of grace, to earn, learn to walk in the spaces that he's called us to, and to join him in those spaces of that unforced rhythm. And so we believe that everybody needs a rule of life that helps us get there. And the rule of life is not intended for us this to be this thing that we press up against and that is difficult for us. It's intended for us to learn to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. The key is not to fight against the current, it's to join in the current. Now, Dallas Willard has a framework for this. He calls it VIM, V-I-M, uh, and it's a little acrostic there. And, and the V is for vision. Everybody needs a vision for their life. If we want to be transformed, if we want to actually be formed by Jesus, if we want to actually practice our faith, what Willard would say is we need to have a VIM in our life. We need to have vision. And vision is this idea of this is what I want to Right? We talked about want to, will to, how to. Uh, vision is what I want to. We call it around here our kingdom dreams. We want to awaken kingdom dreams. We want to awaken a vision for everybody to walk in the life that they've been called to live. And so the vision is this vision for what pleases God. It's the things that I need to clearly understand so that I can operate in the current. Right? So that I can flow in the right direction with Jesus. Second is we need intention. Intention is the motivation to follow God. This is the will to. This is the values that we need to commit to. So I don't just need a vision of where I'm going. I actually need values that help me get there. I need practices that help me get there. And the last thing is the means. The means are the activities that actually change us. This is our practices. This is the how-to. These are the very specific things that we live out every day that foster transformation in our lives. So last week, we talked about, and we had it up on the screen just a second ago, we can put it up again. We talked about the four invitations of Jesus, because this is what we're trying to do. When we build a rule of life, we're trying to live the life that Jesus would live if he were us. That's the goal. And so Jesus' invitations to his disciples were, come and see, follow me, I will make, and go and make. That was the invitation. Come and see what I'm doing. Follow me and give up everything to follow me. I will make, allow me to transform you, and then go and make and be transformative in the places that you live and work and have your being. Like, go do those things. So over the next four weeks, we want to add some really practical practices. And there's nothing magical about these practices. They could be anything. But we've decided on four really particular practices that we think will help us in this journey of becoming like Jesus. So we tried to narrow down, what are the four practices that our church needs in this season so that we'll be formed by Jesus and so that we'll live like him? I think we can throw those up here. The first one is consistent rest. And that's what we were supposed to talk about today. Right? But Matt was sick, so he's gonna come talk about that next week. So if you're excited about a message on rest, wait for next week. Uh, 
consistent rest, and then, and, and, and then missional imagination. And when you see that vertical line going up during that rule of life, the vertical line is how we operate with God. It's about our relationship with God. But there's also a horizontal line, and the horizontal line is how we operate with our neighbor, and that is relational presence and discipleship possibilities. And so the four practices that we feel like every follower of Christ needs to lean into is how am I resting? How am I relating to the people around me that God has called me to relate to them? That's what we're going to talk about today. Where is my missional imagination for where I should be blessing and serving and caring? And what are the discipleship possibilities that are in my life where I need to be training up the next generation? Is this fair? Everybody understand this? And all of this aligns with the invitations of Jesus, right? Come and see is about relational presence. Follow me is about relational presence. I will make is about missional imagination. And we're building this life around these practices. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Jesus says this. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him this question to test him. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to them this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what he says in verse 40. On these two commandments depend the law of the prophets. Everything else comes down to these two axes, the vertical axis of loving God and the horizontal axis of loving each other. This is what it all comes down to. And, and sometimes what happens is we get so overwhelmed with so much content and so many different things that we forget to practice the really simple things. We forget to live into the really simple things. So let me ask you a really tough question. If I were to follow you around for 24 hours, just awkwardly, wherever you go, I'm just right behind you. Right? If I were to follow you for 24 hours, at the end of that day, if I looked at how you spent those 24 hours, would I be able to say, I know that that person cares about loving God and loving their neighbor? If I were to follow you for a week, for seven days, awkwardly, right? just wherever you go, I'm right behind you. Little weird pastor on your shoulder, Right? What would I walk away believing your priorities are? Because Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. This is the greatest thing. If we want to build our lives around the character and the heart of Jesus, if we want to become who Jesus would be if he were us, if we want to live the life that Jesus has called us to, then it's about time that we start taking his priorities seriously. And I think we can get so caught up in so many different things in the church. Everybody wants me to preach a series on Revelation, right? We did the seven churches, but everybody's like, can we do the other stuff, right? We'll do the other stuff when we start loving God and loving each other, right? We, we want to dive into like the, the heart. Let's go through the Levitical law. Let's talk through Leviticus. Let's talk through the Ecclesia, the church. Let's talk about when is Jesus returning. Let's talk about all these things. I wonder what would happen if we just spent the next decade as a church and every Sunday I showed up and I preached love God and love your neighbor. I wonder if that was the only sermon we heard for 10 years if we would start to take it serious. Because I feel like we get so distracted. Philip Larkin, a, a famous poet, says, life has a practice of living you if you don't live it. And we get so caught up in all of these other things that we forget the thing that is the greatest. We forget the greatest commandment. 
Buddy Hoffman is the founding pastor of the Grace family. Many of you know him. He started this church here. And, and one of my favorite stories of Buddy is at the end of his life, when Buddy was getting ready to pass away, he was coming, coming in and out of consciousness, and he was praying, and he was talking to his family, and he, he woke up with his eyes wide open, and he looked at his daughter, and he said, it's so much simpler than we thought it was. I wonder if Buddy were to come back and preach a message, if he would just say the greatest commandment, love God and love each other. This is it. This is what everything else is built on. This is what all the law and the prophets, they all surround this one commandment. Love each other and love God. But there's two really specific challenges for us in this, and particularly in the way we think about relational presence. So particularly in the way we think about loving each other. Particularly in the way that we think about loving the people around us that we are called to love. Because here's the crazy thing about the church. We've got a couple hundred people in the room right now. There's maybe 250 people in the room. Think about the relational network of every person in this room. Think about the amount of people on any given week that each of us interact with. All right, so there's 250 of us. If each of us interact with 10 people on any given week, that's, that's, that's a lot more than 250. But we interact with more than 10 people on any given week, don't we? Let's say each of us interact with 100 people on any given week. See, the beauty of the church is its reach. And its reach is not who's sitting here on Sunday. Its reach is what we do with what happens here on Sunday. The vision of our church is not to fill this room three times over. It's to fill this community with the good news of the gospel. That's the hope of the church. And the way that we do that is we dig down and we start practicing the life that we're called to. And so if we want to talk about relational presence, we have to acknowledge our challenges with being present relationally. And the first challenge that I've come up with is that we're too loud to listen. And I think in this season, the noise is even louder than it's been in a long time. We have entrenched ourselves even deeper into our opinions, even deeper into our, um, our, our, our communities and our tribes and, and our beliefs. And we've, we've, we've just dug these holes that says, this is what I'm standing on without listening to the people around us. I was telling my kids the other day that there used to be a time when we were allowed to be bored. Does anybody remember that? I told them this, I told my kids this. I said, you know what used to happen? We used to be so bored that we would go outside. <laughs> we were like, I don't know what else to do. What do you, let's just go outside. And my kids were like, tell me about this foreign age, Father. <laughs> tell me about this weird thing that I've never, that I've never heard of. But I, but I know we've all seen this scenario happen. I, so you, you guys have all been in a place where, you're in a room with a group of people, and it happens most with a room of young adults. I notice it all the time with young adults, but it happens in rooms of adults, too. You're in a room, and there's suddenly, like, this momentary, like, awkward pause in the conversation, or something happens, it quiets for a minute, and somebody does this. And you know what happens when that happens? Somebody else does that. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, I got permission to check on something that's completely insignificant to my life at all. But I have to reach for that right now. And so everybody, all of a sudden, everybody was relationally present with each other. Everybody was there, and all of a sudden, everybody's distracted. 
We had dinner the other night, and we were out, and there was a group of teenage girls beside us. And teenage girls are remarkable at, at, at this. I, I, their skill at, I mean, it's, it's something. It's, it's something. They're, all these teenage girls are sitting at a table, and they look absolutely miserable. And they're all on their phones, and they're all, I mean, they're literally, their posture's like, getting tacos. Look, I don't know what they're looking at. They're looking at Instagram, they're looking at Snapchat, they're looking at something. And then one of them is like, hey, let's take a picture. And all of a sudden, they're all like. <laughs> and the whole table lights up like, it's, like they're having the greatest moment in the history of their life. They take five or six shots, and then they're like, no, we got to get some more. Everybody's in there doing it. And then they're back to. They're not, they're not relationally present with each other. I want to do this with my friends when we go out. Whoever's with me, I want to go out to dinner and do like a teenage girl selfie night. I, I just think it would be funny. I, I think it would be good. It's an impractical jokers episode or something like that. Like, I think it would be amazing. I, 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 but, but you see this. Here's, what, here's what's happening. Technology is systematically disconnecting us from each other. And it's, it's even connecting us from the people that we most need to be present around. And the presence of, not, of technology is this beautiful thing that connects us everywhere in the world except the place we need to be. And so we need to go back to this idea. Here's what I realized for me. I have realized that this is a security blanket for me. Anybody else with me? That if I'm in a line and I'm bored, I pull it out. And the moment I do that, I'm checking a score, I'm checking an email, I'm checking something out, but I'm checked out from the moment that I'm actually in. And instead of actually being bored or being present in that moment, instead of standing in line and saying, Jesus, help me today. Instead of looking around at that line at CVS or Chick-fil-A or wherever you're at and looking around and saying, Jesus, what are you doing in these people's lives? How can I serve them? How can I love them? How can I be your spokesperson? How can I care for them? What can I do? Instead of doing all of that, I am doing something with this thing that is completely insignificant. We have to acknowledge that we don't know the consequences and hurt that this is causing in our society right now. We have an entire generation of young people who do not know how to hang out with each other. My kids don't want to have people over to their house because they're like, I'll just talk to them on this. We've got to acknowledge these kinds of things. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17 says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Listen to this, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. We need to learn to practice paying attention. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his famous book, Life Together, says this, there's a kind of listening with a half an ear that presumes to already know the answer and what the person has to say. It's impatient, it's inattentive, and it despises the brother that is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. This is no fulfillment of our obligation, and it's certain that here our attitude towards our brother only reflects our relationship with God. Ouch. It is little wonder that we are no longer capable of the greatest service of listening to what God has committed us to than to hearing our brother's confessions. Because if we refuse to hear on lesser subjects, why would anybody ever confess to us? 
Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work we should share. We should listen with the ears of God so that we might speak the words of God. Listen to this. How many times have you heard a a sermon about how we need to be ambassadors of Christ? We need to speak his words. We need to proclaim the words that he has for us. I've heard hundreds, right, over and over. Use your mouth for the glory of God. How many sermons have you heard about using your ears for the glory of God? Zero. Zero. About listening attentively, about being present, about being with him. Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, how then will they call on him who have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how will they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so the first practice we want to talk about in this series is the practice of listening. It's the practice of listening. And it's slowing down enough to be fully present. Now, Matt's going to come next week, and he's going to talk about listening to God. He's going to talk about slowing down and resting so that there's room for God in our life. I want to talk about listening to one another. Because I really believe that so much that's been fractured over the last couple years can be restored at the table. It can be restored in a place where we listen to one another. When I take time to actually sit down and listen, I realize that my enemies are not that far from where I am. I realize that we're closer than we think we are. And so who are the people in your life that you need to listen to, that you need to give them the gift of you being present to them? Can I just say start in your own home? Start with your kids. Start with your spouse. Start there in that place of actually being present to your wife, to your husband, actually being present to your kids, actually being present to them to sit and listen and talk and dialogue and be fully there. I I went and preached at at another church recently, and, and as I was getting ready to preach, I felt like the Lord was giving me a word for them, and the word was this. The word was that the answer to all of your problems is in this room. And this church was having a real struggle on figuring out, like, what do we do next? And where do we go next? And how do we live? And what, what's the vision? And what's the direction? And where's God calling us? And all of those kinds of things. And there was all this stress and anxiety in the room. And what I said to them is, look, God's given you all of these people who are all listening to God. There's all of these people in the room, and collectively, if you co-discern, our core value at Grace Marietta is if you hear the whisper together, if you actively co-discern the word of God, then the answer to any problem that you're facing is right here in the room. And I want to repeat that for us today. Like the answer to all the challenges that face us as we grow are right here in the room. It's all of us co-discerning the plan of God together. It's all of us listening to one another. It's all of us listening with two ears. We listen to the Father and we listen to each other and we co-discern together what God is saying and we move in that direction. And so one of the challenges for us as a staff is just an acknowledgement and a repentance that we haven't done a great job at this. It's been a really, really weird season. And I look around the room and I do see a bunch of new people I see a bunch of new faces, and can I just say to you, on behalf of Grace Marietta, I want to apologize for not loving you well. 
Because I believe this, it's been this weird season where we don't know what people want during COVID. Right? We don't know whether you want us to come to your house and shake your hand. We don't know whether you want us to hug you or whether you want us to stay six feet away from you. We don't know whether you want us to approach you or whether to not approach you. We don't know whether you want us to interact with you or whether you don't. You don't know whether you want us wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. We don't know all of these things. And so I think it's been easy for us to stay separated. And so as we were preparing for this, and as we've been thinking through this kind of these four practices, one of the things that we talked about as a staff is like, no more of this. So if you are here in this room and you don't know anybody on our staff, we're going to hand you a card as you walk out the door, and it just says, connect with us. And this is simply us listening and making space for you in our lives because the greatest priority of our ministry is you. It's not what happens on Sunday. It's not putting on a good performance each week. It's not what comes out. It's loving and caring and listening to you. And so if you're out there and feel disconnected to the staff or don't feel like you know everybody, um, then we would love to connect with you. We'd love to spend time with you. There's a little card that you're gonna get when you walk out the door today and all we're asking is that you check a box if you wanna get coffee, meal, or a Zoom call with us, right? We're trying to cover everybody, right? And so we would love to hang out. We're, we're, we're actually, every person on our staff has cut out hours of their time over the coming weeks between now and Christmas to say, I've got three or four hours a week just to have coffee with people from the church. There is no agenda to this, I promise you. We are not hooking you into a capital campaign. We are not trying to invite you to give. We're not trying to, we're, we are coming alongside of you to say, hey, we're a church. We like our church. We think we're doing good stuff. Would you want to join us in that? And we want to spend some time with you. And so uh, check this box, and we would love to hang out with you. There's even a box if you have kids. We'd love to connect with your kids in some way with some of our youth workers and children's workers and those kinds of things, uh, if that's helpful. This is one really specific way that our staff has decided we're going to practice listening and being with people. And, and so listen, here, here's what I want to ask you to do, though, is I want to ask you to come up with what's your practice. What's the thing that you're going to do to take time out of your week to listen and invest in being fully present to the people around you? I, I got I to move along. The second challenge is this, and, and this is a hard one. It's that we're too selfish to share. We're too loud to listen, and we're too selfish to share. Uh, and when I talk about selfish to share, I'm not really talking about generosity in terms of our money or our stuff. Because I, I, I don't know about you guys, um, but sometimes the greater challenge for me is not to share my money or my stuff, it's to share my life. I think the most hospitable action we can take in our world right now is to open up space for people in our life. It's to say, come on in. That's a lot harder than me writing a check. That's a lot harder than me giving something away. That's a lot harder than me collecting coats and those kinds of things, which we are doing, by the way. Um, Henry Nouwen in his book, Reaching Out, says this. He says, hospitality is, means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality's goal is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but it's to offer freedom, not disturbed by dividing lines. Hospitality is just making space for people. And if you're anything like me, the one resource that you feel like you don't have enough of the one resource that you believe there is scarcity in is time. 
I believe that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I've rarely, rarely, rarely been stressed at all about us paying the bills here or about us coming up with a budget to make this church work. I've, I, because I believe in abundance. God's proved it over and over and over again. But my abundance theology doesn't exist in the same time with my time as it does with my money. I always believe there's a scarcity of time. I'm always protecting my time. I'm always worried about giving too much of it away. I'm always cautious about who I offer my time to. All of that means I believe I, I have a scarcity mentality with my time and abundance mentality with my money. And I, I've been so challenged as I've been working through this that I've got to have uh, an abundance mentality with my time. To know, you know what? I'm going to have five more meetings with people this week and have five more coffees and we're going to hang out and we're going to spend extra time together and we're going to do all these things and all the other things on my to-do list. Lord, I need you to take care of them. I need you to do some of the stuff that I can't do. And we got to lean into some of this. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says this. It says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Let that be said of Grace Marietta. Please, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying, let that be said of our church, is that we're not just here pushing the gospel, but we're inviting you to share your lives with us. We're inviting you to say, everybody right now needs family. Everybody right now needs community. In our city, we live in a city where so many people moved from out of state and live here and work here. We frantically drive into the city every single week. We fight traffic to get there. We fight traffic to get back. We're exhausted. We're tired. We've got nobody to babysit our kids. We've got nobody to watch us. We've got nobody who looks out for us when things are going wrong. We've got nobody who prays for us. And we're just living in this place where we pull into our garage and we shut the door, and we wake up and do the same thing tomorrow. And I want to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ should look different than that. The church should be the family of God. We should be sharing our very, very lives together. We should be opening up space at the table for us to hang out. And so practice two is not just to listen, but it's to share. It's to share. And, and here's what I want to challenge you with. Share a meal. Buy a meal. Right? Share a meal, buy tickets to a game, bless somebody with a night over at your house to play board games, watch a movie together, watch a football game together, watch whatever it is you like to watch with other people and not just yourself. Right? Buy the drinks when you go out. Right? Be hospitable and be generous and share yourself and share your space. Share the good news with one another. When's the last time that I actually took the time to sit down and pray for everybody in our church and said, all right, Lord, what's your word for Caitlin this week? What's your word for Shane this week? What's your word for Jessica this week? And I just start calling people and saying, hey, I was praying for you and I got a word. I'm so busy doing everything else that I'm not doing the two things that I was actually commanded to do, love God and love each other. And so share, share specific encouragement. Share, when you see somebody looking like Jesus, tell them about it, right? We talked about this about six months ago, and I'm so grateful. I've heard so many people starting to put this into practice. What happens in our life is we receive specific criticism and vague encouragement. And what if we switch that around, right? What if we started giving specific encouragement to the people around us? 
And so that the noise of all the discouragement, all the criticism is washed out by the encouragement that's coming, that is specific and that is real. What if we just looked at each other over and over again and said, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're a part of our community. I'm so thankful for all the things that you bring to our lives. When that starts to happen, everybody wants to be a part of that family. Everybody wants to be a part of that community. Romans 12, 10 says this, and I just wanna throw this out as a prophetic challenge for us. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And then this last part, guys, I've been stuck on this. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, the only relationship I do really well with that is my marriage. And the reason I do really well with that is I take it really seriously. I make, I make it a real strong point that I'm never gonna say something that dishonors my wife in front of other people. Something I learned very early in our marriage. <laughs> right? I, I, I wonder what begins to happen in a community and in a family when we start to outdo one another in showing honor to one another. Because if I'm gonna be honest, the last couple years, it feels like everything's a fight. Every direction that we go, somebody's upset about it. Every plan that we make, it's frustrating for people. Every event that we do, something didn't happen right. And over and over and over again, it just becomes this push and pull of you're trying to pull your agenda this way and we're trying to pull our agenda this way and somebody wants this and somebody else wants that and everybody's pulling in all kinds of different directions and we wonder why we're not united. And this doesn't mean that we don't disagree. It doesn't mean that we don't have tough conversations. It doesn't mean that we don't dialogue about the things that are important to us. But it does mean that in the midst of all of those things, the key is that we're outdoing one another and showing honor to us. I've, my, my, my fear is that COVID has disconnected us in such a way and we're all so tired and we're all so thin and we're all so worn out that we're all like, honor me. But I don't really have the energy to honor anybody else right now. And I wonder what begins to happen when we're like, just shift that posture. I want to outdo one another in showing honor to one another. And if we're going to accomplish all these things, it's going to happen because we're caring for one another. It's going to happen because as a family, we're meeting each other's needs. Because we're practicing these things. And so what's the practice for you of sharing? What's the thing that you're invited to share with somebody this week? What's the space that you're called to open up? What's the gift that you need to bring to somebody else? Like, here's the reality, guys. On Sunday, I really believe this. Whether you believe it or not, I believe this. Every single person in this room brings something that matters to our gathering on Sunday. And if you're not here, somebody else misses out on the blessing. There are some of you that when you are not here, our staff doesn't get encouraged because that's your gift, you just encourage all the time. Jose, every time I preach, Jose walks up to me after the service and thanks me and encourages me every single Sunday he's here. We need that, we need that gift in the family. Some of you are so good at welcoming people. When somebody walks in and they're new, you're like the first person to go grab them and talk to them and care for them and love them. Like if you're not here, we miss that, the family misses that. Like, think about how 
skilled our worship leaders are and what they bring every single week with their heart, with their intensity, with their love, with their prayers. Uh, this, this morning, and if you want to be a part of this, grab Steel or grab Cleve and talk to them about it. There was like 20 people praying in the parking lot at like 8 a.m. this morning. I don't know if it was 8, 9 a.m. this morning. It's freezing out there, and there's this circle of people that are praying for what's happening right now because we need it. And if you're not here praying, we miss out on the blessing of that. We've gotten to the point where we don't show up to church because we're tired or we're worn out or we had a late night Saturday night or it's a little cold outside. You know attendance goes down in Atlanta when it rains? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. If it's a rainy day, we'll have 50 less people in here. We need each other. We need each other. And we need to encourage each other in the work that we're doing that God has called us to. And we need to walk beside each other and listen and share. And so I, I, I kind of want to start that now. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And, and I want us just to kind of create a moment of ministry time. We've got communion tables set out all around the room. And you can grab the elements and take communion as we worship together and as the band comes um, the prayer team's going to come on these sides over here. And, and I really want to open up space for this. I, I, I want to open up space for two things. I, I want to open up space, one, um, hold on, guys. If you're not in the band, hold still. Come on. I want to open up space for two things. I want to open up space, one, for us to just have a moment of repentance. Because as I was kind of reading through all this stuff yesterday, <laughs> and as I was kind of working through all this material of like, I got to do a last minute sermon, Lord, what do you want? The main thing that I walked away from all of this is repentance. Just feeling like I can do better, Lord. I can do better. Teach me to do better. I want my heart to align with yours. And so maybe there's just something powerful and publicly coming up and saying, I'm not doing good at this, but I want to do better. Will you pray for me and ask our people to pray for us? Um, but I also think there's a bigger issue at, at work for some people. I, I, I feel like for some of us, this season has been a season where you've just felt disconnected, where relationships have been lost. Like I, I, Honestly, I'm talking to somebody every single week who's saying, I can't talk to my parents anymore because of whatever it is they believe about masks or politics or whatever. We're saying, like, I, I've lost my relationship with my best friend, and we don't hang out anymore because of whatever the thing is. And I think one of the enemy's greatest tactics is that he distracts us and makes everything too loud around us. And that he, he, he makes so much noise that we don't hear him. And that he makes us too selfish to actually have the space and the effort to sit in front of each other and say, you know what, I know we fought over masks or we fought over whatever the thing was and I just want to be in relationship with you and I don't know how to make that work, but can we make that happen? And so I think there's some in the room who just need to pray for a relationship restored. That something's been broken in the last two years and we need to pray that Jesus would repair it. And so as we move into communion, and you guys can move around the room now, as you move into communion, uh, we want to just take space to just say, all right, Jesus, teach me to practice those things. Here's my challenge for you this week. Homework. Grace Marietta homework. Here's my challenge. 
Count out an hour in your calendar this week and ask Jesus, Jesus, who do I need to listen to this week? And plug that person into the calendar and make space for them. And then ask the question, what do I need to share this week? And who's the person I need to share it with? And cut out an hour in your calendar and do it. I'm asking for two hours a week for you to practice this stuff. This is how we get formed in it. It's not us walking away from this servant saying, I agree with Ben, we should do that stuff. That's not obedience. Obedience is not cognitive assent. Obedience is walking it out. Obedience is saying yes and amen to this and I'm going to do something about it. I'm gonna walk it out. And so that's my challenge this week. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bond us together in unity. I pray that you would teach us to repent of the ways in which we've not formed community. I pray that we would repent of the ways in which we've been distracted, of the ways in which we've been selfish, of the ways in which we've not sacrificed so that relationships can flourish. And I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would change the atmosphere in our church right now, Jesus. That any disunity and things that have pulled us apart, that you would release those things to the pits of hell and that you would restore unity, that any heart feelings or, or, or relationships that are broken, I pray that you would pour out forgiveness into this ministry time right now so that we could experience real forgiveness with you and with our neighbors. I pray that you would right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, heal the relationships that have been broken in our midst. I pray that you would teach us to outdo one another with honor. I pray that you would teach us to not just share the gospel, but to share our very lives with one another. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said.